All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, what would we get started with, you might wonder? Why is the Enemy Slime Podcast Classic Edition? Or what What would I say? Uh, we're, we're, look, we're, in, we're still in a confusing period. Um, but I'm your usual host, Jared. That didn't change. And uh, we are not going to be doing role-playing this week. Not role-playing with me this week. I have Mr. J. Joseph Jr., but I, I'm still a samurai this week, though. Yeah, more or less. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, a shinobi, as they are called. Um, I also have Mr. Michael Mahoney. Some might say that we're experimenting, but I want to clarify, it isn't a gateway. It is or is not? Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that, it, you know, everybody goes through this time in their life, this period, where they find out you know, who they are, what they like, what they like to do. Have done to them. What they like to have done to them. Pretty much the works. Mm. For the record, not digging it so much. I'm Yet. not. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got a lot of feedback about uh, the last podcast. I think most of it positive. I think so, yeah. I think some of it unpositive. Um, we've, got some, we've got some things to maybe hammer out and work on. Um, People did ask that we make it less bad. <laughs> And more good, but I think that uh, I think the general consensus is that we're going to give it another go, and uh, and and keep keep hammering at that wall. And I don't know what this eventually becomes. I don't know if it becomes a, a, a separate entity or if it just stays this this kind of one off one on pattern or what exactly we do. But we're back this week, and we have a rare instance where um, we have all played a video game. Before we get into that, I just want to say the fan page for Balsa Basswood hit 50,000 followers. Uh, if you guys wouldn't mind just buying a t-shirt, that would really help us out. Yeah, uh, I should have probably had Doug immediately sign some kind of like release so that we could own the intellectual property that is Balsa Basswood. Well, why don't you do it anyway, and then when Doug tries to use Balsa Basswood again, you just sue him. That's, say, actually, that's, that's yeah. not a bad idea. He doesn't listen to the podcast. He's not going to know. I was going to say, he, he will have no idea that we planned this. <laughs> so we're actually, uh, we're actually pretty safe uh, to do that, I think. So yeah, what we'll do is we'll, we'll tell him it's like a divorce document or uh, adoption paperwork or I, I don't know what he'll... Whatever we think we can get him to sign. Both happy occasions. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I mean, look, Stan Lee didn't get to be the most flipping comic creator of all time. Just by being a nice person. That's true. He has a lot of blood on his hands as well. But I will counter, is now a dead guy. So do we want to take that risk? <laughs> he didn't live forever, but he didn't live for a short time. He was pretty old. I saw him at CES like six years ago, and I was like, man, that guy is just about done. In six oh, years, he was like, he was like 92. Was yeah, he was. He was a uh, was he ninety two? Is that the right? Yeah, he was. He was old. Um, by the way, not to not to talk about uh, uh, Stanley too for for too long because this, frankly, this was already too long. Um, but I, I have to give a endorsement to something that I really didn't think I'd give an endorsement to. Um, that uh, that Spider Man movie is. Oh, you, you, they made uh, a Spider Man movie. They made a Spider Man cartoon. They, they made they made a couple of them. So was it uh, Spider Verse that you saw? Yeah, it's yeah. really good. That's everyone has been telling me that. The funny thing is, um, I had some friends tell me that I needed to get in on um, 
the screenplay for that on like on like writing the screenplay. This is this is true. And they're like, here's who you contact. They're making this movie. You should see if you can write it and all that. And like, I'll reach out, see what happens. And uh, and I reached out. Nothing happened. But apparently it's for the better because it's one of the best Spider-Man movies ever. Boy, apparently. It, it really not an exaggeration. Like, it's really good. And I I had such low expectations uh even even with all the critical acclaim i read the description and i was like this doesn't sound good like it doesn't sound for me it's um, not based on something that's good <laughs> i gotta yeah. say it's like based on something that's very bad yeah actually. that's the thing is like yeah. whenever whenever spider-man goes to other dimensions it's it's usually not a <laughs> not a great time um right. and so the fact that they did that and and had it not be just like ungodly was, uh, you know, kind of a miracle in and of itself. Well, I, I, I have the thing. I mean, because I, I have like um, a bunch of film friends and and friends from comic books and Marvels that were like, "Oh, you got to watch it! You got to watch it!" And I was like, "Well, do you have the screener?" I remember I was in space at this time, so uh, it wasn't like I could exactly waltz into the movies and watch it. And like, oh, you got to see it. I'm like, okay, well, well, well you lend me your screener like nope absolutely not you can't have it <laughs> just, you just you need to watch it so i finally got the deep i actually finally got the blu-ray it's actually sitting right next to me right now and i've been meaning to also oh, you you take a look all, at all it all facade aside you have not seen this movie i haven't seen it wow oh so you did you did watch it no i have not i have <laughs> not seen spider-man into the spider-verse yet but you've seen it right <laughs> He's seen, I think what he means is he's seen the case, because he has it. It's there. Ah, uh, you saw the case when you took it out of the case to watch the movie. Yes, okay, I get it. <laughs> You're definitely going to watch it. Uh, I'm surprised that you haven't. I, I, I thought that you would have uh, uh, taken, a, taken a day off for that one, because um, I think it's going to be up your alley. I think you're going to dig it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got, um, it's got some characters I like in it and yeah, all that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got so. Chick Spider-Man. It's got Black Spider-Man. Spider-Man has got Black Spider-Man. If you even those are the if, two, those are the two I like. If you wait until after the credits, you even get Miguel Spider-Man. Oh. Uh, is that true? That's true. Uh, uh, I think he's Miguel. He's in costume yeah, all the time, so you can't like. Oh, there's only Miguel. one guy who wears that costume, so it's got to be Miguel. Please tell me it's a Spider-Man costume with a sombrero. No. Oh wait, so you actually you already you already knew more than me. So there is a Miguel Spider-Man. Like that's oh, that's he, the character's name is Miguel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then that's him. Yeah, that's <laughs> the guy. It's Miguel Spiderman from they, Rochester. They literally call him Miguel, but I just thought he was like a one-off random homebrew. No, he, he he he's the Spider-Man twenty ninety nine. Mm. So you you got. I mean, I know who all is in it because I'm a fucking nerd. So you have Miles Morales, who's the lead, as Black Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, Spider Woman, Penny Spider-Man. Parker. Uh, Penny Parker was like this. I, she pilots like an, a Spider-Man Evangelion in the comics. I don't know what it is in the movie. Yeah, I just know she's in the movie. Yeah, you're gonna. Re- I already, I already know that that's gonna. She's gonna consume a large portion of your life. Like, uh, I don't think so. I don't like Penny actually. That sounds like lucrative merchandising. <laughs> um, I and then they have a. Now, I, now what I do like is uh, Noir Spider-Man. He's pretty cool. Norse so, Spider-Man? So is he, uh, he's, he's a 1940s, like, he's in... Oh, noir. I thought you said Norse. Like, in the... Well, that, would, that would be cool, too. Yeah, like Thor. But he's, like, in black and white. He's also played by Nicolas Cage. Huh. I didn't know he was played by Nicolas Cage. He's That's played by great. Nicolas Cage. Uh, so be ready for that. I didn't know if that was an original thing for um, 
the movie or if that was something that had actually happened. So are there actually noir Spider-Man comics? Yeah. So all of them, all these guys are in the comics in some capacity, which is how I'm familiar with them. I actually think even you might find something to like in in this thing, believe it or not. Like noir Spider-Man is they'll have like a moment where all the Spider-Mans are talking and he'll be like, yeah, nothing's better than the feeling of punching Nazis. <laughs> it's just some pretty good. He's got some pretty good 1940s zingers. So basically, like, by touching every generation, they also touch Michael's greatest generation. Uh, and uh, there's, there's, there's something for everybody. Those kids that's, did win that's, that That's war. nice. Yeah, they did a good job. Um, on the uh, game front, I mean, obviously, I think we'll, we'll want to talk about Sekiro, but there's been some other uh, releases that have come out. Um, I, uh, Michael hasn't spent too much time with Sekiro. Hey, dogs. I don't know how much they'll pick up on the microphone. Hey, We're just going to find out. Yeah, yeah. I know. Let's just I pretend that I saw a, a cool hombre. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word of the day. Just walking through the Enemy Slime Studios. Just walking through our Enemy Slime Studios. Here we are in sunny Burbank and, uh. But, uh, hey, it's Warren G. I, I, I had Michael over to show him Sekiro and to give him a little bit of hands-on time with it because I wanted him to, you know, get a feel for it so that we could talk about it a little bit. But before he left, I asked him to also uh, watch uh, some footage of Just Cause 4, um, basically just to tell me whether or not I was a psychopath. I think that game is going to be Game of the Year 2008. <laughs> it is so... <laughs> what? Uh, you, haven't, you haven't seen it, I don't think. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't seen it. It is a huge visual downgrade compared to 3. Really? Uh, the cutscenes in that game look like... I, I told you like a Nintendo 64, but I think I may have been being unreasonable. I think it's more of a PS2. Yeah, it's, it's really pushing <laughs> the bounds of what your Vita can do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's a sad-looking game. It is, it is really ridiculous. That um, is unfortunate. But it, I will say uh, it almost is worth... I, if you were someone who'd never played any of them and you're like, which one should I get? I just want to fuck around and blow things up. I would probably say to get three because it's the overall better game. But right. there's one big but, which is Just Cause 4 has this rocket-propelled item that you can get, and you can stick it to cars, and when you turn it on, it basically just like shoots them into the sun. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I'm really not exaggerating when I say that I've played probably like 30 hours of that game and it never is not funny. Like, it is always, always funny when I stick that thing to a car and send it. And so that was basically, I, I wanted Michael to see it to just see if like, if I was a sick fuck, uh, because I, I'll go in that game and I won't even do anything. I'll just kind of sit on the street and attach it to like passerbys. Well, that's what I did in three the whole time. Yeah. All right. So you know, it's like yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't the rocket propelled thing, but you could take the tether and then tether things to other things, and that was just the whole game. Yeah. So now imagine you're tethering things to other things and also setting off rockets. <laughs> There's a point in the game where Jared was walking down a long gray polygonal hallway that was just agonizing, but every time he shot one of those guys with that rocket tether. It was still good for a laugh. Yeah, so like the uh, and actually you saw you saw a particularly bad part of the game where I went into a like I don't want to say dungeon that's not the right word but I went into like an underground prison to break a guy out. Dungeons tend to be interesting. <laughs> and I I got out of this boring <laughs> ass prison 
And the very next mission objective was literally to go right back into the same exact oh, prison. God. Uh, it was not good. It was a. It was a, And actually, the game hadn't done that to me up until that point. So something about you being there, it really put like its worst foot forward to to show that to you. Nothing to, nothing yeah, it, to you know, it's, it's like me. It, you know, the, the clip I like sharing of three so much, where I just kind of um, tether a small little, uh, I guess, fuel canister to like this giant fuel tank. And it just blows up, and like a bowling ball, it just knocks down all the other fuel, fuel tanks, uh, like pins, and the entire thing explodes, and then the power station explodes, and it's just chaos. But what I've always loved about so that is that it was completely accidental, mm-hmm. but it completed the mission in like 30 seconds. Yeah, and there's no like destruction-oriented missions anymore, which I think really? is a, a big like drawback. So it is like a big drawback. That's like I like those are the best parts of free. Yeah, you had to prevent the destruction of that satellite array. Oh, uh, that's what a good time you had. Yeah, that's true. See, but and so just cause three is more like go destroy satellite arrays, <laughs> right? Whereas this one is like protect a satellite array. Well, that hardly seems constructive. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a bad experience uh, overall. So again, if you were just getting into the series, and if you were in a situation where you're like, I just want to buy one of these and none others, uh, definitely three. But having said that, I paid like thirty five, forty for this, and I don't I don't want to give it like a glowing endorsement, but I also don't <laughs> I don't feel like I really like. I got my money's worth. Do you get what I mean? Like, I had enough fun. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. What is Gary's mod going for these days? <laughs> it's not an unfair question. Do you really want to know? I'll tell you. Yeah, why not? Gary's mod. Wasn't it free? Isn't it free? No, Gary's mod uh, presently costs nine ninety nine. Hmm. That's a lot of fun that you could be having. Right. That's for, true. For nine ninety nine. At 25% the cost. If it came down to nine ninety nine in a Steam sale, I'd say uh, I'd say go for it. I think it I think it might be worth a shot. And I know that we're going like way back in time here because this is like what a November game, something like that. Um, Couldn't tell you. But I just thought I'd mention it just because it, it it hit the PlayStation recently, and uh, I've I've actually played quite a bit of it. It sure is fun to watch you fuck around with that tether, but the rest of the game just looks. Like something I would have gotten back in two thousand four, like so, free internet for nine ninety nine. So isn't isn't um, just cause published by Square Enix? Oh, you know it's published by Square Enix, baby. <laughs> that's actually I, I don't know if that's part of why it got like kind of the downgrade that it did. If they were like, hey, well, we want one more, but we don't want to spend any money on it. I, uh, I've got other things to complain about now, but Square Enix is just the big. It's just so much that they need to not do. Yeah, <laughs> they've they've obviously uh, no one no one is looking at Square Enix and being like, man, those guys get it. Like no nobody's been thinking that <laughs> they really care about the craft. You know, and, and I, I think we said this a couple of podcasts ago, or or maybe I've said this in yeah. Watch out for him. He's no kick dog chilling out under you. Uh, the um, conversely, like Capcom kind of like figured out their shit like somehow well unless you ask lucio yeah i mean i know street fighter 5 is still having a rough go of it but, but like, no i i agree with you i agree that like besides that capcom's really got it together like like devil may cry and resident evil like they made a devil may cry with like the old man dante instead of young kid dante i you actually know. saw you playing a lot of that on playstation 
on uh i haven't actually uh i haven't touched that one yet uh oh, really no oh, i think you're looking at someone else um but i'm going to uh, because I really want to. I actually have resigned to finish four first. I never, uh, I never got very far in four, and um, I know that that's stupid to be like. I want to know the story for Devil May Cry. <laughs> Devil May Cry. <laughs> but I think I'm going to. Were you gonna? What were you gonna say, Michael? I was gonna say I think for the past ten years I forgot the Capcom made Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah, that's a Capcom original, baby. And uh, I haven't. I, that's another one where I, I literally bought Resident Evil Two, and I cannot bring myself to play it. It's probably pretty well. The spooky. new the new Mega Man's been good as well. Also oh, has very, it? Also very spooky. Yeah, I played I played a little bit of that. I haven't I haven't finished it yet, but I played a bit of that and I enjoyed it. So, um, is it eleven? Mega Man eleven? Yeah, it's eleven. Huh. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't messed with this one at all. Um, or really even seen a lot about it. It looks super pretty. Like I like the, yeah. I like the graphics on it. I don't understand all this Japanese. And now the screen's tilted too far for me to read. Uh, you can you can see it if you want. Rock Rocko Man. Uh, now it's just a word that I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, I knew Mega Man was Rock Man, but. That's about all I know. Um, now it's mentioned, I do have to go back to Resident Evil 2. I I started. I, I couldn't decide who I wanted to play as first, and I ended up playing a good chunk of both of them first. I'm like, I really just have to pick one so I could do the A story and then the B story on the other, and, and uh, I just so, haven't done that. So have indecisive. You, have you decided a final order? What's your plan? I I feel like the first time, the very first time I played the game, I did um, Claire followed by Leon, mm-hmm. but this time I've been going a little bit stronger with Leon, and then I'll probably do Claire as the B. So it's been years, so my memory might be wrong about this, but in the original, Claire has Mr. X, but Leon does not, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. That sounds correct. And so yeah. I, my original game plan is I was like, well, I'll play Leon's campaign because Mr. X gives me just so much anxiety. <laughs> and then as I was looking at like video of the game, it turns out Mr. X is just in both the campaigns. Right. Well, if you, this is me calling back on some ancient memories as well, but no matter who you play with for the main campaign, there's no Mr. X. I Actually, you know what? I think that, I actually think that now, now that you're talking about the old one, I do remember going as Leon first because I don't, re- I never remember, I never, sorry, Never remember. I'll never forget the scene where Leon first encounters the liquor. Uh, so yeah. I'm pretty sure he was always in my A. Well, actually, so now you make me wonder: Is Mr. X in Campaign B no matter what, regardless of if that's Leon or Claire? And I just I, never, I literally never played Claire first, and so I've just always associated it with her. I'm I'm confident he's in Claire's campaign. I f- almost feel like he's not in Leon's campaign if you play it backwards. But that may at this that point I'm grasping at straws. Yeah, it's been so long. I don't think. Well, I because can. because. Because Mr. X is after Sherry, right? So yes, you have yeah. Sherry. I think you've even played as Sherry at some point. Drink a whole yeah, bottle. That sounds right. A whole bottle of Sherry. <laughs> it's a whole different game. Uh, but yeah, now Mr. X is there, and he's pretty much there, like for a lot of the game. <laughs> with his nice. cool fedora. And uh, yeah, <laughs> with his with his nice hat, yeah. and it's just it, it's too much for me. So I'm gonna have to save that game for a time when like. I have a friend over who can watch me play it. Actually, when you can hook your PlayStation up out, outside in the sunshine. Michael Michael already saw me. I, I got scared 
multiple times in Sekiro while I was playing. It was a big snake. Um, well, uh, oh shit! The uh, sorry, I call him Heavy Chun. That's because I was, I was telling you guys, um, you uh, Kazuna Ai, the, the the you know, the virtual idol. That's what she called him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just got into my head to call him Heavy Chun. Uh, but yes, I know, I know the giant snake you're thinking of. And, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into terrifying. it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it deeper. But more than once, this game has made me uh, scream. Uh, well, I, I I was I was just trying to describe it to friends earlier, and I, actually, I have another game besides Sekiro just before we jump into that. Yeah, that's what but, kind of that was the order that I figured we should go in. But but uh, um, I was I was I was telling a friend that like Sekiro, Sekiro is stressful. But like a different type of stressful from Bloodborne and a different type of stressful from Dark Souls. So like in Dark Souls, it's the kind of stressful that's like, you know, people's is getting God out there. But then in Bloodborne, it's kind of stressful that's like, you know, people's is getting rolled on out there. And in Sekiro, it's like the kind of stressful where people's is getting snatched out there. <laughs> yes. That, 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 that's, that's my uh, street comparison level for the different kind of... Uh, intensities of each game that is my experience I, of the streets i said the same thing yeah michael michael made a very similar observation <laughs> he, he uh michael also shouted a lot at the game like for me not to go in he's like don't go in there and it wasn't like a movie where i because i could actually hear him so i i didn't go in a lot of places uh where i uh, I, I actually find it's better to go in a lot of places no, so that's, like that's true you should go in all the places it's in all the places yeah i think my just, advice was actually bad <laughs> it's like it's like the, the the i feel like it's um it's weird well i don't want to okay so let, let's talk about the other shitty game i play first and then let's come back to this so is that where you landed is is it shitty because you seem to have played a lot of it i mean that's not unusual for you just to, cause four to play a lot of a shitty game, <laughs> <laughs> but let, tell I us the I'm... name of the game. Let's start there. Okay, well it's the division two, and they and they didn't make up for one. Uh, so the I, the whole reason I got it is because of the the kind of roller coaster that one went on. Because the beta, as you know, really impressed me and was amazing. And then it came out and it was less than amazing, but still good. And, you know, Lucio still really liked it. Um, we had a couple of other friends who still really liked it. And then they began to patch the game, and they just did not know what they were doing in terms of the balancing and all that. But at some point, long after I left, they had apparently fixed, like, a ton of the issues, um, had finally figured out, you know, the gameplay and the balance and where everything needed to be. And I had gone back and played a little bit of that. It wasn't kind of, like, enough to completely redeem it. But I'm like, yeah, this is kind of... Pretty good. So based on that good faith, I was like, um, okay, it seems like they learned their lessons from one. And I do really want to like this franchise. Like it was a very kind of original idea as far as one is concerned, um, even if certain elements of it weren't there. And I think, you know, for a first year loot shooter, especially these days, we're seeing like a lot of that, like Destiny took a while to get there. Um, Lord knows Anthem's in trouble right now. And so it's like, okay, let me give this um, another chance. And man, I just I just started playing it and just on like every level, it's so disappointing. And I even have a, a kind of a, a, a sort of a justification this time as to why I played so much of it. Okay, lay it on me, <laughs> please. Well, well, okay, so, so in the first game, um, I would say a huge part of it is kind of like the aesthetic and the world design and the level design. 
And what's really freaking cool about the first game is a lot of New York structures and landmarks that are like identifiably New York um, make up for the dungeons in that game. And so there were some really, really cool ones that really impressed me. Like there's one that, you know, they couldn't use the name directly, but there's one based on the Macy's flagship store that we have here. Uh, that was awesome. There's one based on the Holland Tunnel. There's one based on uh, Madison Square Garden, which is actually the first one you visit. Uh, there's one based on, um, you know, Hudson Yards. And so seeing all these pretty awesome uh, New York locations re-envisioned as like these kind of, um, um, they're not they're not quite apocalyptic. I, you know, that's kind of the wrong word, but um, this kind of like destitute, really tells this great kind of environmental story like you're playing um an elder scrolls game or a fallout game and you know that to me just really kind of impressed me and i'm like well it's early in the division right now i really only have access to the washington dc open world and that's not really impressing me and even the first couple of missions are kind of weak because they don't op- you know madison square garden is a really strong location and the Division 2 opens up with, like, some made-up hotel that seems very loosely based on the Jefferson Hotel. And it feels like something where they couldn't get the rights to it. And it feels like something where they recycled a bunch of assets. I'm like, well, let me see if I can push further and get to a couple of landmarks and see if that changes and um, if things get any better. And I've, I'm starting to get that far, like, just now. It's taken a while to get there because of just how much more uh it's like a much more insanely difficult game than one was almost to like for no reason uh like a lot of a lot of stuff on the open world map will just kill you now and even if you're not looking for trouble trouble will come and find you and just kill you like i i had a situation where i had ended up in a bookstore that you can't access from the street on the second floor hidden behind a bookshelf and just a whole group of uh, gang of, of, of like raiders finds me and shoots me and kills me. And this you has been my most bookstore. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> DC is a rough city if you go down the wrong street. Yeah, that's it is. It no, is. no, it really is. It really, is a rough city. Uh, and and honestly, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, I was looking for some of that too because it doesn't take much for DC to transform from like our nation's capital that you know from all the pictures into like a really rough. Um, suburban and project uh neighborhood you know and even that's missing from this game that's like i just haven't ha- found that it's just all just kind of uh, city spaces and it doesn't feel like new york, uh dc doesn't feel like dc how new york feels like new york i'll put it that way um, i mean it, i i get what you mean though like have it having it being appealing to see um a place where you're from or where you live kind of recreated in uh, in a game engine or in a world like that. And I, I know that I felt it in The Last of Us when they recreated Salt Lake City complete with tunnel that we don't have and giraffes, which we do have, um, but they're not out like they are in that game. Um, and but I'm pretty if they sh- were, they would run wild. I'm pretty sure if they got out, they would immediately die. Like, I, I don't think those giraffes would make it... In- would, would make it very long. So I, I, I do want to comment on The Last of Us because The Division 2... Um, you know, I, I'll just say to finish to wrap up this other point, I am getting to the point where I'm, where I'm starting to see some recognizable places. And a lot of the praise for the game actually goes to the dungeons that are based on museums. And the now I've done a couple of the museums and I will back that up that for some of the museums, they actually did a good job. Again, it's weird, weird. because for New York, 
they got a lot of location rights, but for this one, they didn't try. So it's like it is a DC museum, uh, but they'll name it something slightly different to like avoid copyright. So uh, the one I'm pretty sure I just went to was uh, we call it the museum in real life, but they called it the viewpoint or something in game to just distance it. Um, really but I was crappy. impressed with the viewpoint. It was like, you know, it looked good. It was a, a, a cool uh, dungeon to run through. But on the point of like The Last of Us and Fallout and The Walking Dead and all that, it feels like The Division 2 is trying really, really hard to be those things. And it's just really kind of abandoning all the cool original stuff it put forward in uh, part one. And I, when I say that, I just mean everything on kind of uh, on each level. Like it, 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 it it's. It almost feels like I'm playing a, a game here that lost its sense of identity and now it's just trying to be everything. And I can even point to a solid example of that. Like you walk around in Washington, D.C., and nature has like really reclaimed parts of this uh, city and there are mannequins everywhere and you see deer and all that. And, uh, and you see trees and ivies choking the buildings and all that. The problem is, it's only six months after the first game. And yeah, like, you know, nature's going to reclaim it. But The Last of Us was 20 years <laughs> since, you know, the apocalypse. And this is only six months. And it's just... A <laughs> the thing is, like, it's an original IP. It's not based on anything. They could just have easily been like, it's been 20 years. And 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 been able to do whatever they wanted with the art department. <laughs> Right. Uh, so it, it's baffling when you get stuff like that, where like it just seems like nobody thought of it, or or like I'm I'm sure that it was probably just something where they were like telling the sketch people they're like go draw this, and they came back and they they drew it, and they're like, well, I don't want to make you draw it again. So <laughs> I think I think you, I think yeah, that kind of nail is exactly what I'm uh, feeling with the game here, at least in terms of the aesthetic. It it, it it's really really feels to me like it's riffing on all the other post-apocalypse like there and the first game isn't even a post-apocalypse it's uh new york is in a quarantine um and it's just kind of creepy and in the first game it's like a version of smallpox that wipes everyone out which constitutes the uh, activation of a sleeper unit called the division and the division for people that don't know is basically just a fancy way of saying like the national guard meets the department of homeland security that's what they're supposed to be um and they just wear plain clothes all the time and go and solve problems the national guard and department of homeland security couldn't and that's kind of the role yeah actually can i make a slight deviation and just say um yeah maybe i shouldn't uh we'll take it out what is it about being in the national guard that makes you think that you like we're in are Afghanistan or something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, I've known a couple guys who who are like in the reserve National Guard and just like hang out on base on the weekends. And man, there, I I know people who've like been to war who are less concerned about me like honoring that and, than these fucking National Guard guys. Now, to be fair, many National Guard guys have gone to Afghanistan at this point. No, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, so, but it's just I know a couple guys who like I know are just like. W- basically just doing this on the weekend and uh <laughs> and they're the ones that seem like most hung up with like me like you see that sticker on my toyota you have no idea what i've sacrificed for this country <laughs> like all of his saturdays all of his sundays it's, and I it's mean, funny <laughs> i'm grateful but it's funny because um i have a, a couple of friends that have been i feel like in everything but the national guard i feel like 
all the friends I have have either done the Navy or the Marines and a couple of Army. Um, the thing is which that I guess the middle class white people from the Midwest don't <laughs> right. join the military. They join the so, like, Guard. I, 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 I talk to them and the amount of uh, that they roll their eyes over this shit. And, and it's really funny because I, I know it's a Tom Clancy game, but Division 2 has like a very, very high level of jingoism in it where the first division didn't. Um, and look, I'm all about my patriotism and all that video games, but it feels just so, so kind of ridiculous and forced. And uh, there's there's one I noticed. So the White House is kind of like your base of operations in uh, the second game. And. I guess the remnants of what's supposed to be, it, it doesn't make any kind of sense. There's, there's remnants of the military there. Um, I won't explain who they are because it takes too much time. And I noticed they just started saluting my character. And I'm like, this is really weird. Why are they saluting me? Because I'm technically a federal agent, not, not really a soldier. And I talked to some of my soldier friends about this and it's like, yeah, that's what one of these soldiers thinks it, think it is. <laughs> You're saluting all the time, but that's not what it actually is. I mean, I thought um, I thought that was most of serving in the military is just saluting people. <laughs> yeah. saluting people. You go to Afghanistan, you salute the insurgents. Didn't you ever so, watch so, 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 <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, there's actually a point to be made about that too, because the division in the second game is actually a lot harder on American civilians that they see in as the enemy than we are on insurgents in like the real life. I'm like, you know. Um, there's there's a there's a gang named the hyenas who are basically just raiders. They're pretty much just the fallout raiders. And the amount of hatred that the division has for these people, it's like you go kill these pieces. Like the hyenas want to negotiate, and like we're not gonna negotiate, you go kill these pieces of shit. And I'm sitting here and I'm playing this. I'm like, well, you know, in the real world, the United States military does like negotiate with ISIS, right? You're <laughs> where that happens. We would just arm them and then be surprised that they're mad at us 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the, the idea of not giving them a bunch of weapons is, is crazy. They need the most weapons. They need the most yeah, weapons. I we more than anyone. Hey, I gave you all those weapons. Come on, man. <laughs> My tower. Like we're buds. So, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, I, I just feel like the first game was like just so kind of creative and original and it's just so weird to me that the division two decision abandons all that goes after everything else and the the difficulty is just so forced and i think some of the behavior of um some of the people associated with it now i don't want to name names because i'm not jay raymond strikes again (laughs) i'm not entirely sure if they're like the devs or they're the average uh the marketing team or whatever but they have actually been going online on social media and essentially telling people to, and this will be a good way for Sakura, uh, um to go into that conversation, but they've actually been telling people to get good when they complain about the difficulty of the division. And the difference between like the division and Dark Souls is the fact that in uh, Dark Souls, planning and carefully examining uh, enemies and their emotions and all that uh, will pay off and allow you to form a strategy and in the division two, it will not. And the division one actually did have a lot of uh, a strategy to it. Like you had to take on strategic positioning and all had to select your targets. But it, they ramped up the difficulty so much in kind of every conceivable way that I've actually met situations where it purely came down to RNG, whether or not I was able to uh, win. And that is just not good game design by any means. Yeah, nobody. Uh... No, nobody has fun, and and I feel like that's a pitfall that it's easy to fall into with MMOs in particular. 
is yeah. sort of or not even really MMOs, but like RPGs as a as a whole. Um, like any any stat or number based damage system and things like that can always feel rather than make something that's that's compelling or excitingly difficult. You can just make something that you know. The, this guy hits you for a lot of numbers. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. That's uh, and I mean it's funny because you could accuse Sekiro of that in some ways, but it wouldn't necessarily be true. I mean, having said that, there's a lot of guys that you meet pretty early on in that game who can definitely kill you in one hit. Yeah. But there's never a part where I got hit by one of those one hits where I was like, "Well, that wasn't fair." Like. They're always pretty fair, and I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's almost and, uh, like uh, well. So I guess we should we should talk a little bit about where where you've made it to. Did you get to the um, the guy on the menu? The you got to the beginning menu. <laughs> um, did you get to the guy on the stairs? The the chained up. Uh, yes, yes, okay. that guy who hits so, you like so. I think he's, a lot I think and he's the out. first. Uh, I think he's the first guy who can one hit you, and he attacks you i'm making motions as though someone can see but um I can see he he attacks you basically like a cartoon where he almost like is winding up like i i'm gonna get you <laughs> and so like yeah he takes you out in one hit but boy you really feel like you had that hit coming uh when it when it connects uh because well, I, I've, I've noticed a couple of interesting things about the game and so so like you know again in a situation like the division, if a hard hit is going to hit you, then it's just going to hit you. There's nothing to do about it, especially with the way they revise cover and um, how enemies spawn and all that. Like, if a hit's going to come in and, and just, like, fucking crit you, it's going to do that. But in Sekiro, and this is even different from other things from from uh, software has done, in that they give you a lot of ways to escape a situation. Um and so, like, there are a lot of ways to take to to take challenges on, but if you realize you're not quite cut out for that challenge, there's also a lot of ways to just get the fuck out of there, or at least get like a lot of distance from the baddies, so that you know you can create something that feels like a strategy. <laughs> and actually, um, that's been just like kind of a. It's funny because it it seems like when I read online about people complaining about difficulty for this game, a lot of it is. Uh, with that and uh, like longtime Souls players who are kind of having to relearn. You, I, I saw a similar backlash with Bloodborne, but not on the same oh, yeah. front that this has, yeah. like by any means. Um, because it just it doesn't play like a Souls game, or or even really that much like Bloodborne. And um, I think that what you're describing there is kind of emblematic of that, where like if you are in a bad situation. It is totally reasonable to literally just like run away from it and yeah. and jump up into a tree and uh, break line of sight and and basically just try to get the hell out of there, <laughs> um, and, and and that's a totally viable strategy and in fact in some cases like it's it's almost what you have to do uh, yeah. to to get by um, and then like obviously the stealth is a big change. Um, I think they've talked before about how this game was going to be a Tenchu game at first, mm -hmm. and then somewhere along the way it got changed into its own IP. It got changed into its own IP, but they even still joked up to release that it was like a Tenchu. Yeah, <laughs> that, oh, we're gonna go into the office to work on Tenchu today. So yeah, uh, and so I mean it's always had like some weird connections there, and the, I think the stealth takes like some figuring out because it's not really. 
it's not stealth like it's not quite stealth and it's 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 weird it is weird how it works and like it's 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 not the best stealth but it's not bad stealth either it's just kind of its own weird thing and has its own weird rules and a lot of them are kind of familiar to the stealth genre but it's kind of also doing its own thing. Once you uh, once you get a couple perks, it actually becomes a little more consistent. But early on, it does feel like basically once you like unleash that first attack, you're you're kind of like found out as a yeah. as a general rule. Like when you stealth kill one guy, if you if there's other guys nearby, they probably know about you now. Um, but later on, you get some perks that make that uh, that kind of reduce the effect that that has. And uh, I've got a couple areas that I that I do like farming in where I can clear those out without anybody knowing that I was there. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, um, yeah, I, I think right. I think right away I kind of learned some of um, some paths and everything to, to kind of take advantage, at least the first village anyway, which is a, a pretty sizable first village, I would say, that mm-hmm. you have to explore and get your way through um, and just pretty quickly found ways to kind of clear areas out and and um, make use of the terrain and not be found out. And the only thing that really bugged me is the same thing that tends to bug me in every fucking from game ever, and that's just fucking dogs. This time it's wolves, but they're still just fucking dogs. And, you know, fuck dogs. Uh, if, if, you, uh, if you don't have it yet, um, make, a, make a deviation and get the firecracker. Like, look up okay. online where it is. Um totally makes animals basically just not an issue at all anymore okay um and and by the way i really want to emphasize makes animals not an issue issue. anymore because i i think i know about where you are in the game and i can tell you you're about to encounter a lot of animals um (laughs) and uh the firecracker i've heard a a lot of, of roosters right now yeah the firecracker is almost like completely missable um no i shouldn't say completely i mean it is completely missable you could definitely never get it um but uh you can buy it really early on like really early on like before the dude on the steps who we're talking about really um and uh but but it's super easy to miss and then the next opportunity that you have to buy it is literally after um like one of the one of the bosses that you want it the most for basically so like the vendor that you'll find who's the vendor you'll find who's super obvious who sells it you're already done with the guy who rides a horse by then. Um, but uh, but if you can get it before horse guy, he is so much easier. Like, it's it's night and day. Okay. Um, what so I'll, I'll, I'll go back and, and see if I get stuff. See, that's the other thing, because I do know how their mentality operates at Trump. So I've been actually very careful about how I progress and how I do quests and all that in this one, because I'm like, you know, Bloodborne, I love that game. Uh, it's like one of my favorite RPGs. And but my first run was just like kind of complete fuck up run, and I just found so much shit I was able to do, and so many quests that I had missed that I had to go back, create a brand new character, and run through it, and kind of do it the right way. So I wanted to proceed a lot more cautiously through this one to make sure that it happened. But I, you know, I was gonna say I, I actually just kind of hearing you talk about that, like. I have to say, I am, and I don't know if you felt this at all, Michael, uh, but I'm super impressed with how, um, you're already nodding, so yeah, good. Uh, I'm super <laughs> impressed with how they kind of just changed everything about like the, the Souls-Bloodborne formula 
so, and, so, so and that's yet what it I still it still feels so much like one. You know what so I mean? You know when you mentioned when you mentioned earlier about how different it is uh, from um, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and kind of how it gets that attention. It's a, it's very interesting in that it it I I mean I would I would for sure say that this is basically a brand new game. This is a new IP. We have to approach it as such and expect to learn a new gameplay style and uh, the story unfolds in a different way. But I think um, it's it's odd because the comparisons to uh, Souls Barn are almost superficial in a sense. Like, like, like there's no real heavy connection to them, uh, but there's so many of them. And I think that, you know, in terms of how the aesthetic plays out and in terms of... Um, you know, how the world has been built, that it does feel like it fits in with those, even though it it is is like it's brand new. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's it's really impressive how, I mean, the the expression is always like spiritual successor. And I, I really, really get that feeling with this game where like spiritually, it absolutely has a lot in common with those other titles. But at the same time, you could very easily make a case that it has little to nothing in common with those other titles. Well, uh, it's, it's, um, it's funny because I like, so Bloodborne, even though it, it's also, it's this thing where you have to get used to a new type of gameplay and a new kind of, um, um, style and speed and tempo and all that. Uh, it still has a lot that you could, you know, go uh, on a one-one comparison with Dark Souls. It's like, okay, you kill enemies, you absorb the soul, souls. Um, same thing in terms of, I, and it's weird because Carol has some of these things I'm describing, like the bonfires and all that. But um, as I was, was, was I was, was I getting that? It's oh yeah, um, your guy doesn't even wear a hat. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't get to wear a hat. He doesn't even have. I mean, we don't know that. I haven't finished the game. You don't even get to change your clothes in this one. Yeah, and uh, that that is definitely, I don't know if I'd say a negative change. Um, I like that, but I like I like the way the guy looks. I like his cool arm, as I was telling. Yeah, he looks he looks neat. I I sometimes wonder if I spent too much time in Dark Souls, like looking good. Um, no, that there's no such thing as too much time doing Fashion Souls. Because boy, there's definitely, uh, especially in Dark Souls Two, I remember running around with like some real low tier armor, but just being like, I'm hot, you know, like I, I look, I look fine. <laughs> and, uh, also a shriveled well, I, I, I will say this, um, this even in, what was that, Michael? You're, you're a shriveled corpse person for most of dark souls too. So really, yeah, I, yeah, I feel do. like that's most of dark souls games in general. Like yeah. see in three, in dark souls three, I didn't know that like taking the dark sigils would make me look like bacon. Um, I took a lot of them, and I looked like Bacon a lot, which is yeah, especially totally hard when I'm trying to make like a sexy barbarian woman, you know. So, um, yeah. I don't. I never. I didn't play far enough into three to really like deal with some of that stuff. I. I, I wish now that I would have played more of it than I did. Um, well, well, but the real the real sexy stuff came from like the DLCs anyway, and I've uploaded a couple like images of that. I I got a few kind of good looking pieces um in the vanilla game but all the really really good looking shit was like the dlc shit so do you think people are still playing multiplayer in in three 
Oh, I know they're still playing it because yeah, I was, playing I was, I was, I was just playing it. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, in fact, I can still find high level DLC bosses for two. Really? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I would. Maybe I would uh, still like to do that after I'm. Oh, shit. Let me know. I'll play with you after I'm done with it. Well, do you have it on the PlayStation? <laughs> oh, I have your copy on the PlayStation. Oh wait, yeah. So I couldn't <laughs> play it anyway. <laughs> it wouldn't work uh, regardless. But uh, my 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 point on uh, Sucker Roll came back to me because I was trying to think of. Uh, you know, something else I don't know that people know on the podcast is like I just love a freaking samurai games in general, and that's like that's a genre where I feel like uh, there's less of them, but they do a pretty consistent job of being good. Um, I'll say samurai and ninja games because um, you do get a, you do get a couple of tours out there, but for the most part, they're pretty good. And I was trying to think of what Sekiro reminds me of the most. And this is going to be a real throwback, but it really reminds me. I'm going to say slightly uh, Neil, but not in the way because it's, you know, Neil is a Souls-like. Um, but because of something else that Neil does. But what it really reminds me of is like Bushido Blade from back in the day. Um, can, but like a fun Bushido a, Blade. I can see a Bushido Blade. <laughs> like, the, the death blow system kind of lends itself to that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think um, uh, I think I've asked this before of you, Michael. Why is it that whenever Japan wants to talk about like their old history, demons are there? <laughs> well, that comes from the fact that most of Japanese history was an old man sitting on rice, and so they just had to spice it up a little bit. Is that yeah? You need to you know add a little flair there. And then he looked over, and there was a demon. Right. All right. Okay. Right. See, Most I thought, I thought, I thought history it had to do is just him fact. growing hemp and owning people. Right. Yeah. But we had like exciting wars and things like that. But whereas... see, I, I had uh, I thought I thought that's why I thought it had to do with the fact that Japanese people just couldn't get over killing each other at I mean, any turn. It does seem like they fought a lot. Yeah. Well, you know. But also had demons. And rice. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's it's weird. I, and there's something I'm, weird about uh, there's something weird about playing a from game where. They're literally just like, it's in Japan. Like I think the very first thing is, is he's like Japan Edo period or or whatever. So he, it's in Japan, but it's still got it's as you said, it's got demons. It's, it's, it feels like they're just kind of there, and like they're not concerned with telling us why. Like, oh yeah, yeah, they they clearly are just like <laughs> it's Japan, and then just have like for, almost almost as soon as they said it's Japan, they forgot it was Japan. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're like See, we just wanted to have the pointy houses. Well, that big okay, snake so, is still so, there. So, the Kumamoto big snake. We can go see him next time. All right. I want to see the big snake. Heavy Sean. Heavy Sean is still there. Um, okay. So I had to ask this because it, 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 it's really bothering me now. It's, it's really getting to me. He's really that big. Uh, yeah. What, what is it with uh, Miyazaki and like these impossibly vertical worlds? Like I, when I played Dark Souls for the very first time, which as you guys know, I went out of order. I went Bloodborne and then Dark Souls. I was like, this world is just like really vertical and it seems like no one really paid attention to good architecture and geography because it feels like houses are just going to fall off mountains at any second and everyone's going to die. And people are like, oh, it's the land of giants. It's the land of giants. So it's like, it looks like that. I'm like, okay, but giants can't fit inside these buildings. So it still doesn't make much sense to me, but I'll take your word for it. And then with Bloodborne, it was pretty similar. I'm like, look, the, the, the city structure and planning for Yarnum makes no type of sense. Uh, this is something that would collapse in on itself and like sink into whatever the hell is on the bottom there. 
uh, the sewers or whatever. And it's just like so large and vertical and like, and people are like, oh, it's old gods. It's, it's old, it's old celestial beings, old monsters. Like, like yeah, okay, whatever. Like but now we're in Japan and it's the same shit. <laughs> it's just Japan. It's just, it's just Japan, but it's still like these impossibly vertical. At first I thought it was like, I'm, I'm, I was like, okay, so I'm in a, like a normal mountain village. And no, no, you're not. This is, this is not how mountain looks that <laughs> feeling uh that feeling kind of never gets better um the whole game basically feels like you're in remember avatar remember that movie yeah yes uh the whole game basically feels like you're in that world and like floating <laughs> islands um and that's just something that that doesn't at least from what i've played doesn't really seem like it goes away um and i at some point, it has to just be like I think you've caught on to it. Where like I think that's just what he likes. I think yeah, he just, I think yeah. he just if you showed him like a sprawling desert, he'd be like, "We have a but, but why? What are you gonna fall into? <laughs> what are you gonna fall into? Where's the huge crack? Like there's got to be a you know, huge it's crack." It's actually funny that you that you say this because I found out something recently about Dark Souls Three. That there's actually supposed to be a sprawling desert, and then he's just like, "No, we're not going to do that." Oh yeah, he's cutting that shit out immediately. <laughs> Boring. And if you did find it, you would definitely have to climb down a very long ladder to get to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I think that that's just there's there's there you you you've you've got it. I think I think there's some kind of like personal bias that he has where he's just like, right. It's like just the thing no, no like. one would make a city like that. Um, you know what it feels like? It feels like Bioshock Infinite, right? Which right. also was a city in the sky. Uh, so also a game where you couldn't get a hat. Yeah, actually, yeah, there was no hat in Bioshock Infinite. Man, even Comstock didn't wear a hat. You can't even dre- you can't dress up like you used to. I've said that forever. Uh, I have, if you want, Jay, I have a couple uh, now that I, because I think I'm a little further than you. If you if you want some hot tips, I can give you a couple hot Sekiro tips. Yeah, I'll take them. All right, let me, I'll give you my favorite one, actually. So the game has a, uh, has a feature that I don't think it, this is just intentional. This is how From is. is, is there's always like a mechanic in every From game that they don't explain. Uh, right. and that, that could be like the first game. What's that item that you can pick in the original Dark Souls that does nothing? Uh, like the pendant or something? Yeah, it's something like yeah, that. Like... And everybody was like, this good does something. And, and they spent forever trying to figure it out. And like the subreddit <laughs> went nuts being like, it must do something. It's a secret area. And then it literally just does nothing. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that some of that in this game is the, uh, dragon rot mechanic, which I don't, have you, have you gotten anybody sick yet? Uh, I I haven't gotten anyone sick yet, but I have heard of the dragon rock. Yeah, so every yeah. time you every time you die, um, what winds up happening is it increases a chance that you will infect an NPC with dragon rot, and I don't know if they can get so sick that they actually die, but it does interfere with like quest lines in some situations. Interesting. Um. You can cure it, so it is reversible. So it's not like Demon Souls. Where... Oh, so it's like so. So then it's not like the like cool church where like if I wasn't super careful, everyone would die. Yeah, it's not like that. It's not like oh yeah, because that could happen in Bloodborne too, couldn't it? Yeah, where that person would go crazy and kill all your friends. A couple of people would go crazy, like um, one or two could go yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's right. And, and Actually, then... everyone went crazy, but. It was only one or two murdering everyone. Yeah, and then Demon Souls had a had a similar thing, and actually, I think Dark Souls does too. There's that guy if you let him out of prison, he goes back to the Firelink Shrine, and I think he kills the guy at the Firelink yeah. Shrine. 
So it's a common thing. I don't think you can get that fucked in this game, but they don't really explain like how the dragon rot spreads. So uh, at first, it's kind of implied that it happens when you resurrect. And hmm. so your initial thought is, and I, I played a lot of the game this way. Maybe you're not playing this way, but I played a good chunk of the game. Um, if I died and I didn't feel like I had a good shot at continuing, I wouldn't resurrect because I thought that that would prevent the dragon rot from spreading. And it's actually the total opposite. Really? Dragon rot only spreads when you die completely. So basically, uh, you should always resurrect, like always, always resurrect. And um, if you resurrect and you feel like you're not going to progress any further you should actually probably backtrack and, and go back to the idol, and that will completely stop Dragon Rot from spreading at all. So you can do a normal rest and reset and, and try it again. But That's good I, to know. I can't help but think that I wasted a lot of time um, you know, not resurrecting when I... That actually is a really good pro tip, and it's funny, and it's funny because um, I, I didn't realize the first time I had officially kind of died in that game um i thought it was like you know the scripted boss battle that you get into at the very beginning um and when he uses all those uh death marks on you and the game hasn't told you what they are yet so he kind of just slaughters you with them um i thought that was like the kind of the first death but the first death is whatever happens after that when you die and i had gotten through a lot of it without um actually dying and i hadn't realized this and it was actually the ogre guy the screaming ogre guy on the stairs trying to get out of those chains that did it to me that killed me officially for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I got the, uh, you know, the young Lord's voice in my head, like take my blood and resurrect. I'm like, well, okay, Michael Jackson, little boy, I'll do that. And I got back up and, uh, uh, died again anyway. Got spanked down anyway. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to know. Yeah. So the way that the death stuff works is you can resurrect once, uh, but you'll actually notice that you have two dots where your resurrection thing is. Yeah. And if you've killed enough enemies, you will actually have filled up the second dot and you still have to wait a little bit between resurrections. So if you die and come back and then immediately die again, it won't count. Um, but if you die and come back and then can carry on the fight long enough, there's a little bar that will appear over the resurrection. And when that disappears, you can actually resurrect a second time. And uh, that can be another thing where it maybe makes sense to like grind that out before a boss so that you know you can get two shots at that boss instead of one. Yeah, yeah um, and that's and that, that's actually the tactic I've taken. I've, I've noticed, too, that on some bosses, because even though like there are... Um, I don't know how many um, fog walls I've encountered. I think I've only encountered the one fog wall so far, maybe two. I think, um, I think for where you are, probably just the... But, but there are more. You will encounter okay. more uh, right, because Because... Because so so far, a lot of the bosses I've noticed um, will bring in ads if you're not careful about killing the people around the area. And they'll just come in and be like, hey, you're not going to roll on more people like that. We're going to take you out. Um, so that which- actually, that brings me to another excellent pro tip. Um, is if you want to, you can go in, uh, kill all the ads around a boss, um, and then just don't attack the boss. Like, don't even bother. Just tr- kind of avoid them for a little bit and, and kill all the guys that he's got around. And then what you can do is lure the boss far away from his original point, like from wherever he starts. And then uh, once, once you've lured him a good chunk away, run like a little further and break your line of sight with him. And what'll happen is 
he'll reset and he'll start walking back to his position. And most of the bosses, you can then run up behind them and yeah, get a stealth get kill on them. That uh, is a good, that that is a good pro tip. That's actually one um, I partially gave to Lucy. I didn't go into that much detail, but I was like, you know, just take care of the ads around them in a white arc, avoid them, and some of them you do have to lure out, but some of them actually give you a way behind them. I'm not always sure if it's intentional or not, but I've been able to find ways behind some of the bosses to get in that free shot before the real fight yeah, starts. Yeah, well, and so, like, even... Here's an example. The ogre, you can do yeah. it to him. Uh, normally, you can't get a stealth attack on him because he's tied to that board or whatever, um, and the fight doesn't start until he breaks off. But if you let him break off, lure him down the stairs, and then run over the wall, you'll uh, you'll lose the, the aggro with him, and when he turns around and starts walking back to where he was, you can actually do a stealth attack on him. Um... So I, I, I've got a, um, a comment, and then I've got a question to follow it up with. And it relates back to the Dragon Rot thing, uh-huh. because I think the biggest concern to me about uh, Dragon Rot is that it would make Emma not hot anymore. And that was a problem for me. She, so I think it's random who it assigns it to. Um, and so I haven't, had that, I haven't had it happen to her yet. It doesn't really seem to do anything other than make people cough. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Oh, the classic Dead. kind of uh, Soulsborne uh, cough. Then. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> more or less, it's more or less like that. Um, so I, I don't think it changes their physical appearance, but I haven't really uh, gotten evidence there. And it is also worth noting the first, I think the first person who will get Dragon Rot, no matter what, is always the sculptor. Um so he'll always be the first guy to get it. I wonder what his deal is. Okay, well, well that, that's good because it is important. Emma remains hot, That's of course. Uh, the other question is, what, 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 what kind of Japanese name is Emma? Uh, I don't know because it seems like... I, I don't know if she said her name while you were there. So uh, I don't even know if you saw her, actually. I don't, we, we met her. Did we talk to her? Yeah. I don't know Speaks if she said her Speaks in archaic Japanese. Um... So I'm not sure if that actually is like like in the translation in the, in the subtitle it definitely writes Emma but mm. I don't know how she would say that or Oh you or... guys are playing in Japanese. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hello. Cuz I I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm playing in English because fuck the police. You switched it over to English? I did and the English is actually really good. I'm actually shocked by how good the English is. You know that's like... actually that's something that I think you could say of kind of every from game which True. is which yeah. is weird because even when they've made like really low budget bullshit, they've always had pretty good <laughs> voice acting, which is just odd. Like it, it's unusual. Very odd for a series of games where what people say has almost no bearing on the entire game. Yeah, well, and just for like an industry in general where like that's usually the last thing that you do. Like 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 good voice acting is kind of your last stop. Like you you do everything else right and then you do voice acting. I mean, you know, I'm playing The Division 2, and, and it sounds like they cast the voice actors out of, like, a freshman community college class of actors. Yeah, and, so. that, that's exactly it. And, and I mean... Um, Moving towards objective. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of games like that that are, like, high budget, and then, I, I mean, go back and look at, like, their old Resident Evils. Like, those, those were, you know, pretty much, like, the top tier of top tier games back then, and they have the fucking worst voice acting in the world. <laughs> I, I'll make it like oh like so um okay this is a this is a very slight uh tangent but uh Xenogears has popped up back in my life I think it's I think we're actually on the 20th 
anniversary of Xenogears or something like that, or it seems like coming up on it or something tangent, like that. Okay. Um, and uh, for whatever reasons that came up again, I was spurred on to go and watch some old scenes. And man, voice acting is just not what I remember. I'm like, this is everything that was bad about 90s voice acting. <laughs> just... I don't even know if I realized it had voice acting. I guess in the battles and stuff. In the battles and like in the animated cutscenes, but it just did not age well. Um, I, I another fit. another another tangent related to that tangent. Uh, this is I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, so Neon Genesis Evangelion is coming to Netflix. Um, like the, like the original uh, cartoon. The original series is coming to Netflix, and okay. you've been excited about this because you know for a lot of people it's going to be their first time that they're able to see it. Um, their first time and, wasting thirteen hours. <laughs> this is a lot more than thirteen hours. Um, Got to include the movies and all that too. And so, Netflix, um, they didn't tell anyone they were doing this. There were rumors that they were doing it, but they didn't tell anyone. But they completely recast it. They didn't audition like the original voice actors at all. And what makes it a little extra weird is the fact that the rebuild movies are still forging ahead. So supposedly. Uh, uh, 4.0 is still coming out and we're going to see it like next year and you know they're recording their lines for that but Netflix is just like they didn't audition them they didn't do anything and they completely recast the roles and um why what the dulcet <laughs> tones of Spike Spencer I I uh I can't help but think that this will do nothing but like make everyone mad <laughs> yeah that's so far all it's done so like my my immediate comment was like you know I just hope that they get a keeper settlement to play Shinji. Isn't isn't this like when they recast Silent Hill 2 and got Troy Baker and everybody hated it? <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Uh yeah. and the thing is is the, the, the thing is is like people who don't know Evangelion, they're not going to give a shit that you recast it. They're not yeah. they're not going to know, they're not going to think about it and they're probably just not even going to watch this anyway. Um right. And then the people who the people sex. who do want to watch it, who want to watch like an HD remastered version of the TV show, because by the way, the only way to watch that show is in like standard def, and even then, yeah. it's got to it's got to be either the most expensive DVD collection that you've ever seen, uh, or it's got to be a bootleg. I've got a bootleg uh, somewhere around here. Um, uh, I've I've got some sporadic parts from the different DVDs released over there, and I actually just watched rewatched it all recently. Um, pretty recently, and and yeah, it's 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 it's, it's compressed. It's '90s, all right. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, actually, I can't believe that you found a way for me to to make this relevant. But I watched uh, last weekend um, Shin Godzilla. Oh yeah, what did you think of it? Okay, uh, I don't know if you even know about it. It's uh, New Godzilla. Uh, oh, is that well, what it was directed means? by yes. the guy, Evangelion guy. Oh, so. he's new Godzilla. Um, yeah. So always got big shins. So Shin Godzilla is is directed by Hideaki uh, yeah. Anno. Ah. Uh, he actually stopped making the Evangelion reboot to make, to make Shin that. Godzilla, <laughs> much to everyone's dismay. Um, but I will say this: um, it's actually kind of remarkable how much like 
Evangelion. It, it, it feels. really is. It's like really crazy. Uh, it's super weird actually because there's there's all these scenes where people are in like war rooms and that that like drum beat starts to play. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the same music and and everything. Yeah, it's just like the movie the ends and everyone's music. standing in a dark room congratulating Godzilla and finding out that everything is bullshit. So it didn't go that way. No, uh, not quite. That. Congratulations, Godzilla. <laughs> but boy, you know, I actually really would have had a lot of respect for it if they just if they just had the balls to do that. End it that way. If they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's so I, I actually think I did. Together. <laughs> I actually think I did myself a disservice when I watched Shin Godzilla because speaking of um, uh, saying fuck the police and watching it in English, uh, uh, playing Sekiro in English with Shin Godzilla, I watched that in English, but what I didn't have doing? a choice. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. No, with Shin Godzilla, that one's not my fault because I didn't have a choice on that one. I had a, it was either watch it in English or don't watch it at all. Oh. Um, and I was curious, but like the whatever they did to the English version was terrible. And I realized everyone that loved that film watched it in Japanese. I'm like, I really need to watch the Japanese version of this. <laughs> and so did you or are you going to? I, I, I am going to. Uh, I think I think I can get it on um, Amazon now. So Amazon Prime. Yeah, so. you, you can. That's where I watched it was on Amazon Prime. It, it do All make right. sure that when you're buying it. Uh, it actually says like original Japanese version. Yeah, I learned that like, the hard way. Like, be very careful <laughs> because I can see a scenario where you do get locked into uh, renting or, or watching the wrong one. Well, um, I, I did learn that the hard way with another very recent mecha anime. Someone suggested I watch. And I'm like, uh, this is the English version of it, and this is not very you're good. The worst and weeaboo. I I really am. I'm really bad. That ever was. Um, uh, un- unreal. But, uh, but but again with uh, Amazon, see at least with Sakura I made a choice, and with Sakura I can easily flip it back. With Amazon, it really is. They're not very specific about what version, and it, this isn't only for like their foreign language movies. This goes for um, movies that are released here. Like you know you'll I get DVDs uh, in Swedish all the time. <laughs> well, no, well I'd be more along the lines of how you'll try to purchase a version of the movie and it's trying to stick you with the one that's like the bonus content version. And so you end up paying like, you know, $10 more than you normally would and all that. And so you just have to be very careful with Amazon, (laughs) with Amazon prime. I did. uh, I I saw another movie. um, I'd actually recommend it. It's called five fingers for Marseille. And it's a Western set in South Africa. That's Um, interesting. And it really is. Um, but the thing is, and it was kind of confusing because I did a digital rental of it, about half the movie's in English and the other half is a language that isn't English. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's weird how like, I, I don't know how to, when, when I first ordered it, I was like, oh, I think I did it wrong because there like weren't subtitles. <laughs> Uh, and then subtitles showed up, and I had a I had a whole roller coaster of emotions trying to figure out if I ordered the correct thing. <laughs> a good cinema will pull at your emotions like that. Yeah, it really did. Uh, I liked the movie a lot, so I, I would actually uh, I, I would recommend it um, as a. Yeah, as that a, sounds like something I'd be interested in. It's it's in very seeing. unique. Uh, it's a it's a very unique and and I think. Uh, so 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 the other language is a uh, a uh, Sotho or or Sesotho. I don't know how oh, you is it. Yeah, I was wondering as I was watching it what uh, what that gobbledygook they were saying was. <laughs> I was wondering if it was that language you said it is. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it is apparently uh, one of the eleven official languages there. 
Yeah, that's the that's and so that's why I feel like I'm justified in not knowing what language they were speaking, uh, is is because they speak a lot of languages. Yeah, uh, and I definitely knew that, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm using that as my excuse. He was listening <laughs> a lot of languages before the podcast for not knowing. But yeah, good movie. Uh, give that a give that a little rent too. Uh, yeah, definitely. While you're while you're at it, and I can give you one last recommendation for a movie not to watch. And that is Dragged Across Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. Uh, okay. I don't think I w- I'd want to watch something with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. You say don't watch it? Don't watch it. Do you know who uh, S. Craig Zeller is, Jay? I think you might. S. Craig Zeller. I actually don't. Uh, he made a movie called Bone Tomahawk, which... Oh, okay. Yes, I do know this Which guy, you should yeah. absolutely watch. Like I did watch Bone Tomahawk. And it was like... Bone Tomahawk was some shit <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Bone Tomahawk like... is a fucking crazy movie. Yeah. Uh, and then you should watch the brawl in Cell Block 99 where Vince Vaughn goes to prison and kills everyone. <laughs> Why are you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah. You should. I'm dead serious. You should watch that. You should watch that movie. Uh, wow. Much like Bone Tomahawk, it has, the, it has what I think is the hallmark of a good film, which is one where you're <laughs> sitting fun. alone, you're sitting alone by yourself, and you say, "What the fuck?" to like no one, <laughs> like no one's there, and uh, and you're like, "What in God's name is happening?" Yeah, what the okay? Uh, that absolutely happens in uh, in in that movie. Uh, this movie, this this dragged across concrete is his newest movie, basically, and he, he just he doesn't. They, he can't decide whether it's a comedy or an action movie or, or like right. a serious drama. And uh, it just never, it never is right. It never hits the right thing. It's violent. So if you just want to see some violence, that it's pretty good. That, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get that with um, Cell Block because Bone Tomahawk got really violent. Oh, 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 God, Bone Tomahawk got really violent. <laughs> uh, to fill you in, Michael, it's a Western, uh, but it's largely about cannibals. <laughs> What's the about Campbell? And uh, it's totally worth watching. Like, I really, I gotta say, I really liked um, Matthew Fox in that movie. Yeah, he was good. Everybody was, was good. It was. A good... I mean, everyone was good, but it's because you know Matthew Fox hadn't really hasn't really done a whole lot. I feel. I, I mean, I might have missed a couple of things, but he hasn't really done a whole lot since Lost, and yeah. and he's been like just in so much trouble. But then his character in that movie is just so awful and disgusting, and it's great. <laughs> It's really great. He's in uh, he's in Sekiro. He plays the owl sidekick. Ah, oh, good. So I'm just kidding. Get, there isn't an owl sidekick. Get... But boy, wouldn't it be better if there was? I I, I would have taken your word for it because in one of the loading screens they show. Um, oh yeah, you've got that bird on your arm. That bird on his arm. Yeah, that could be your crow sidekick, who shows yeah. up, and his name could be Hootie. <laughs> it really could. And he'd say, "Don't go there," in his classic. Hootie voice. Let's just name him Woody. So I've had the thought uh, a few times, more than once, uh, where overall with Sekiro, my kind of thought process was it's basically Dark Souls, but it's missing all the things that I like about Dark Souls. Uh, It's missing the multiplayer component. Uh, It's missing probably the biggest thing for me is is the messages. Um, Those are like so essential to me about about Dark Souls that that fucking like player graffiti. You know, I will say in a game where they've introduced the jump button, it's a shame that no one will tell you when you should try jumping. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. that's absolutely true. That's um, a good point. 
So I, I, I really had a moment where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I don't know how, but somewhere along the way, like it absolutely clicked for me. I'm reading wikis about this game. I'm on the subreddit for the game. I'm looking up like YouTube videos about how to cheese the bosses that I'm annoyed with. Um, it, it really has kind it's... of like infested uh, my life the way that Dark Souls usually does. Um, it's funny because I was actually thinking about this also in comparison in the Division 2 in terms of I feel like both games are very much very much bring back that kind of old school thing where you had to interact with the community in terms of getting your knowledge about the game and what to do in the game and where to go next and all that. It's like, you know, and so it's a, I feel like that was a very 80s and 90s thing. Um, and even the early 2000s, because even as we got the Internet, it was like, you know, um, uh, games still weren't too heavy on the tutorials and holding your hand and all that. And and um, you still had to make a good good use of game FAQs and easy boards and all that kind of stuff. And I was really just thinking in terms of how Sakura for me, it kind of does it in a good way. And the Division 2 kind of does it in a very bad way. Like Division 2, you kind of just have to do it so you know exactly what builds to take because there are... There is such a thing as a bad build. There are bad skills. There are bad um, weapons, and there's there are bad there's bad set armor, and you just kind of have to go online and say and ask people and be like, hey, what's not bad? What can I use to get through the game? Where Sekiro uh, gets more at the kind of like sense of discovery and people finding things and sharing it and sharing that information and all that and. I, I do think that's part of what was so fun for me over Bloodborne as well. It's like as I got more into it, I was able to trade information a lot more um, about the game and, and things like that. So like like the firecrackers thing, that that's something I wouldn't have found out about unless I talked to someone about yeah, it. Yeah, so. I, think, I think tribal knowledge is kind of a big part of these games, and it's something that feels really really good and like like still really alive in, in this and and it's funny because like you said like there are plenty of games that have a need for tribal knowledge but there's something about the way they're built where it actually feels annoying where you're like how yeah. dare they not fucking tell me that but but in this game it's almost the opposite where i mean it it, it i've always taken a stance with with souls games where I feel like they're difficult and they're intentionally difficult and I feel like they take a lot of advantages over you and it's a game that's not above pulling like cheap shots and and right. and doing some bullshit. But by that same token, I've always felt like that game design has like cleared me of whatever conscious I have. And so I've always treated those games as like whatever, it's fair game. If I can uh if I can cheese a guy, if I can uh, uh, there's a boss later in uh, Sekiro who you can lure into a poison pit and <laughs> you basically just if you can get her down far enough so she go goes into the pit you literally just grapple out of there and she'll just sit there and throw stuff at you and you just block it and she'll just nice. eventually die to the poison and I wouldn't even feel a little guilty about doing that <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas in another game, I, I, that may not carry over. You know, like in in the in the Division Two, I might really feel like I uh, like I cheaped it out. Um, but in, yeah. but in uh, Bloodborne or Dark Souls or any of those games, anytime I've ever won a fight via that means, it's always like, yeah, fuck you. No, no, you I, 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 I kind of uh, single player experience. <laughs> yeah, right. No one's gonna know. No one's, no one's gonna know. I I gotta agree with that. I, I think especially uh, when it comes to like. 
I can imagine right now the the combat in Sakura is just kind of like so brutal and harsh, and you have to kind of be see it's it's weird because it's in this weird space where uh, uh, I feel like Sakura's combat is actually a lot more forgiving, but um, man, if you if you fuck up whatsoever is like, totally and it's, it's totally like the that is like the the Dark Souls and and Bloodborne design philosophy, and Sekiro gives you way more chances, but at the same time. If you're hit once, it's kind of over. Whereas in Bloodborne or Dark Souls, for the most part, you know, occasionally you run into a boss like that. But for the most part, you can maybe take a couple of hits before it was over at a done deal and get a chance to, like, really study the fight. So it's a, a kind of weird um, uh, of trade-offs. But in, I think, absolutely for, like, the, the, the DLC bosses and all that, where I've had moments where I'm like, yeah, okay, uh... And let me exploit what the fuck I can for this fight, and then fuck you, that's uh, been the feeling. And it's funny to me, the other thing that's really funny about, to me about uh, Sekiro is that, for the most part, your block um, is pretty perfect. There's a couple of things that can break it, but the game usually projects when it's going to destroy your block, unlike um, in the Dark Souls games, and, and especially in, like, in Dark Souls 3, where... Uh, you know, shields felt almost useless because of how much uh, everything just destroyed your poise. Um, and there's even, I would say, a little bit more of an open window in terms of your deflection mm-hmm. so that you can then work on breaking the enemy's stance and then, you know, getting your death blow in. And it's funny when I see people complain about this system because these are the same people that were like... Uh, uh, with Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls, like, oh, you need to get good, you need to get good. I was like, okay, so where did all those skills with your parry and block and uh, and counterattack go from those games if you're not able to apply it here? And, and so actually, you made me remember one other, I have one final hot tip, and it's the hottest tip. Okay. Um, I didn't realize this at all, uh, and maybe you've already noticed this, your posture restores significantly faster while you're blocking so if you back out of combat uh to restore posture because like your your bar is getting close to breaking you will actually recover way faster if you keep the block button held down i actually didn't know that yeah i didn't either either, and someone showed it in a youtube video it's like noticeably quicker uh which your instinct would be the exact opposite because like in, in in a souls game your your instinct is when you're about to have like your guard break, you back out and you like totally drop your guard so that you can recover. Uh, but this game is the total opposite, where you pretty much have no reason to not be holding the block button. Like, well, even in, in even in Bloodborne, where you couldn't hold down um, yeah. that button, but you know what you had to do in that game was you had to just wait for that exact window when you're going to get your um, um, your counter off and you know your, your parry and like fuck them up with that and so that's what i had gotten so used to yeah you're right that's in me mechanically because i had my strategy was to back off to wait be patient and then slam that uh deflect button thanks to my experiences with block with bloodborne so i yeah. don't think i would have noticed that yeah it's um, definitely uh it's definitely a change of pace it takes some uh takes some getting used to well all in all jay do you recommend sekiro I do, and then there's like other things I didn't. I don't feel like we covered. I was actually talking to Michael before um, the podcast started about. I think the um, the Shinobi prosthesis is actually really cool, and um, it's similarish to an idea I had for a screenplay, a pirate screenplay, of course, 
that I got like a lot of shit for because people were like, oh, you can't do that with the materials that they had. And then here comes this game where this guy has the fucking cybernetic arm carved out of wood. And I'm like, okay, this is this 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 vindicates me. I'm gonna double down on my idea now. This arm is super cool. Um it just I goes to show you do do whatever you want and don't dude, listen do to anyone. <laughs> don't listen to anyone. And have a cybernetic um, arm. And have a cybernetic arm. And have a, cy- a, a cybernetic arm carved out of wood. It's the important part. Yeah. Um and I, I don't know. I just dig samurai. I, I just dig uh, samurai titles, and uh, you know, by extension, shinobi, and anything that was that's been lived the uh, the lifestyle of a wastrel who always wore his same old soiled clothes and carried a sword that wasn't uh, that um, amenable to combat and could die at any second. That seemed like the perfect dream lifestyle to me. Constantly beset upon by roosters. <laughs> Those roosters are rough, man. All right, well, uh, I think that's a pretty good verdict then. So I, I think for the most part, we're all... Do you want to say cock? Go ahead. Big black cocks, too. There, there <laughs> it was. All right. Yep. I knew it was coming. I've died more than once Thank to you. those fucking chickens. Like it's And it's a very embarrassing uh, death when it happens. But they can just kind of sneak I've, up on you. I killed a few of them and... The first time I died to one, I didn't know they could kill you that fast. Yeah, like, I didn't wow. actually. I didn't even know if they that they could attack you. Like I, I had just been killing them, and I almost like kind of felt guilty. Like, should I be doing this? And so I, I, I thought I'd be merciful to one. And man, they they can cut through you like fucking butter if you give them a chance. Yeah, for real. They're not messing around. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've hit our time here. But uh, so yeah, I mean, you heard it from all three of us. Uh, Michael especially, he highly recommends Sekiro, <laughs> and uh, for for the five minutes that he played it, he really enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> See, that's a confirmation right there. Uh, and hey, speaking of enjoying things, if you enjoyed this podcast today, I think you should subscribe to us, the Enemy Slime Podcast. We're going to be back probably in a couple weeks, and we're going to be having adventures again, I think. And, uh, I, you know, come come adventure with us. And, we'll, we'll and I, I'll likely still be a samurai then, too. Yeah, Jay will definitely be living. He'll, be, he'll have doubled down and become a, a, even more of a samurai. We're going to wine country. <laughs> I hope so. I can only hope. Uh, maybe there will be demons I don't know but go subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music wherever you get podcasts wherever you enjoy those things uh, if you're not already you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter we're at The Enemy Slime on both of those services and I think with that we're out I heartily endorse this event or product <laughs> <laughs>